VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that doesn't need a buy. We just need hello. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schuster. And it's postseason time, baby. Yeah, I don't really know what the what the Astros and Yankees and Dodgers and Braves are going to do for the next six days. I'm glad we don't have that problem. We're here. We're podcasting. The postseason is here. The regular season is over. After a long regular season of podcasting, we finally made it. And we are going to be previewing the wild card series on this here episode. Uh, but before we get to our uh, our four wild card matchups, we did want to take some time to talk about what has happened since we last podcasted, uh, since I returned from Seattle the last few days of the regular season. The truth is not not a whole lot, uh, which but is good. The, the most important thing for listeners of the show is yeah. that Jordan took a nap. <laughs> yes, I hope my voice sounds a little bit more normal. It's still pretty early recording, but look, I, I feel better. I feel more awake. It's not 5 a.m. It's really that simple. Uh, but the point is, is we did want to at least acknowledge some of the things that happened at the end of the regular season before we dive into our wildcard series matchups. And let's begin with the obvious. Aaron Judge, finally, uh, our long national nightmare is over. Mostly just the Aaron Judge uh, discourse <laughs> more than him actually finally hitting the home run. Uh, and so we are going to do our back page Barbacast segment leading off uh, today uh, before we get to our postseason stuff. And obviously, this was the biggest news. We'll get to a couple other Game 162 things in a second. But Jake, I understand you have brought us a back page Barbacast, a uh, couple headlines uh, for us, or, or just one for us. Uh, again, this is this is our segment where Jake brings a headline um, to celebrate a thing that happened in baseball, and I will tell him whether it is a good headline. I have three. All right, let's hear it. Record scratch. You're probably wondering how Aaron Judge got here. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. That's so good. That probably would confuse, like, that's, that's kind of a deep cut for It's people. way too online way for a newspaper. Way too online for a newspaper. But, like, for me, I think that's fantastic. So I'm, I'm already super impressed. I wonder what else you got. Sexy too. Judge hot again to pass Maris. Se- se- is, is it just sexy too or like, se- okay. Um, that one sexy takes a second. Two. Ju- did you say judge hot again? Judge, sexy too. Judge hot again to pass Maris. Um, uh, I, I, I appreciate what you're going for, but that's, that was pretty sloppy, I have to say. Last one. Break fast. Judge, mm. judge gobbles up 60-second homer as Jews atone. <laughs> Love it. Would be way better if it was last night and not the night before. So the timing is a little bit messed up there because in this scenario, he has broken the fast. I would say, what, 30 minutes in? <laughs> 30, yeah. 30 minutes in? And that's yeah. related to what we're about to talk about. Now, Aaron Judge <laughs> hits that little ding-dong on Tuesday night. And for the members of the Jewish community, of which Jordan and I are a part. Uh, we, I don't know where you, if you went, Jordan, but there's a service on the first night leading into Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish New Year, the Jewish year, sorry. 
called Cold Nidre, which I would say just to be a little, it is the the time which I feel the most Jewish. It is Mm. like my favorite Jewish service. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's the top of the it's the top of the Jewish service mountain. I mean that's yes. really when you're you're feeling it the hardest. But so so I I was not I I did not go, but I will tell tell my story too. But right, so you you were there. This was again. This was at about eight oh nine p.m. Eastern time on yeah. Tuesday night. It was a little. It was like towards the end, I believe, of the Kol Nidre service. And here's how I found out about Judges sixty two after you know three weeks of it dominating every aspect of my life. I get in the car to drive home with my sister, and my sister goes, oh, there was a home run. She looks at her <laughs> phone. She just goes, oh, there was a home run. And I'm like, what? She's like, there was a home run. I was like, oh, it must be Judge. It's the only, you know, because she got a Washington Post notification about it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, how did she find out? Why was she just saying that? Right. But I loved that she said, oh, there was a home run, as if, you know... I immediately assumed it wasn't like a Heimer Candelario three-run <laughs> blast, right? Yeah. It was probably Judge. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. Here's how I found out. Um, so I was also trying to be general. I, I was not at uh, Cold Nietzsche Services, but I was generally trying to be offline. And I, so I was just off. And then, but then I did get a text from my brother at 8.07. 8.07, a text from my brother. Jesus Chinoco feels like Mr. 162. 808. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> so, so my brother, my brother, uh, my brother David managed to call that uh, about 30 seconds before. Great call. I, if you had, you know, gave me a list of pitchers that would give up 162, I think Jesus Tinoco would be a great pick. So that, that's how I found out. Then I pulled it up and I was like, oh, yeah, all right. And he did it. He did it. Congratulations to Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. We're congrats- done. Congratulations to us. We don't have to talk about this anymore. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Very uh, impressive. He'll win the AL MVP. He'll deserve oh, it. And next year, <laughs> maybe he could break the record, the real one. Other things from game 162 uh, that we missed because we were being Jewish. Mm-hmm. Stephen Vogt calling it quits. His kids announcing his final plate appearance was very cool. Good touch. The Oakland A's don't know how to build a ball club, but they certainly know how to say goodbye. Uh, Bogart's potentially his last game in Boston if he because he's going to opt out who knows if they bring him back were there tears did you see tears I don't know if there were tears but Bogarts did say after the game he was like yeah this is weird because like I'm still here also this is a situation where like he is going to opt out it's not like he is just an official free agent like he could just be like no I'm coming back like I I love it here right but he's gonna he will almost certainly test the market and uh it was one of those things where it was like classy move by Alex Cora, but it's almost like Alex Cora admitting like, yeah, this is probably. Which I like. Here. I like it yeah. when, when uh, team officials accept reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But obviously, uh, Boston fans, there was a bit of a bittersweet moment there. Um, but yeah, there really was obviously there was no postseason things to be decided, not even draft lottery things. Congrats to the Nats, uh, Pirates and A's for their the 16.5% chance of having the number one pick next season, which we'll find out during the winter meetings. And then the only other big piece of news, uh, oh, well, we should also just mention the Angels. One more Tungsten Armo Doyle game for, for, you know, for, for good measure with Otani qualifying as a hitter, as a pitcher, dominating oh, Trout hitting a 500-foot homer and the Angels losing to the A's. That'll um, keep you warm over the cold, cold <laughs> winter, Jordan. Exactly. Uh, and then the last thing, a little bit of ban- managerial news, which is uh, that Mike Matheny is, is no longer going to be the Royals manager. Of course, if you listen to last uh, week's podcast, I only just found out how bad the Royals are. So this really came as a shock to me. I couldn't really believe it, though. 
this was not surprising at all. JJ Piccolo probably has been sitting on this for the last couple weeks. Um, but yeah, Mike Matheny, uh, adios to him. But Phil Nevin, uh, for his great work this season, will be returning next year for the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, Anaheim, Orange County. He earned it. He sure did. Great work, Phil. You uh, did it, so, Phil. <laughs> I will say in a serious note, I would imagine that that has more to do with the Angels' ownership being in flux and then just being like, yeah, let's just, just be here and we'll you know, fire you in June or whatever when we have everything else settled. Uh, Shouts out to Mike Matheny for one of the most forgettable managerial tenures in recent memory. But you know what, though? Now he can fully focus on watching the Cardinals in the postseason. So congratulations to him. Do you think we see him? Do you think we see him at (laughs) Bush Stadium? He might might throw the first pitch. I mean, come on. (laughs) I heard he and Mike Schilt are doing a live stream watch party together. Isn't Mike Schilt with the Padres? Am I crazy on that? No, I think Um, you're right. All right. Here we go. It's time to preview the postseason. Jake tell, us, Jake, tell us how we are going to do these here wildcard series previews. He is the third base coach, Mike Schilt. Okay, here's how this is going to go. We are going to go team by team, matchup by matchup. We are going to tell you their projected starting lineup and the projected starting pitchers for the three-game series. We're going to tell you why each team is good. We're going to tell you why each team is actually not that good, so they didn't get a bye-bye. They had to have a hello and play in the first round. We are going to tell you the key. The, people love X-Factors, man. So we're yeah. going to give them what they want. This, this country loves X-Factors. That's true. <laughs> and Britain loves it even more. Uh, and then we're going we're gonna to pick winners because this country loves a winner. And then we're going to say goodbye. We're going to do that four times. And then we're going to say goodbye. Yes, we are. Jordan uh, we, are we are going to go in order of... Well, these. before we hop oh. into this, let's just remind everyone that New setup this year, different structure. Ooh, yes. yes. We have the wild card round. It's a best of three. All right. All of the games take place at the stadium of the higher seed. All three games are home games for the better team. And this is also an important distinction for fans of college baseball who watch uh, Super Regionals, which is also a best of three series, the, the kind of semifinals before you get to Omaha. Now, in those in college baseball, they're all at a home site, but the second game is for uh, the road team. That is not the case here. All three games belong to the home team in the home stadium, and the winners, uh, we will, of course, will say, you know, which of the winners of these series will go on to face and who they will face in the next round. But we are going to go in order of the games on Friday. I know the order shuffles a little bit on Saturday, uh, but in order, we are going to begin with the Rays and Guardians, then the Phillies and Cardinals, the Mariners and Blue Jays, and finish out with the Padres and the Mets. Uh, so let's begin with the game beginning on at noon. Mm. Tough bounce for big noon for, for let me tell you for Clevelanders, uh, which I have spoken to this week, who have been dreading the noon start <laughs> on Friday. But I cannot say anyone is particularly surprised that they decided to put Tampa Bay and Cleveland at noon. The winner, uh, sorry, the loser of this series gets a salary floor <laughs> for 2023. Yes, okay. so that, there's, there's obviously some, some overlap here. Uh, and before we get to the projected lineup, I think the first thing is, is Kevin Cash and Terry Francona, who go back uh, quite a while. Kevin Cash, uh, who was uh, on Terry Francona's staff and also played for him in Boston. They're, they have a very, very friendly rivalry. So that will be something you'll be hearing plenty about uh, during the broadcast this weekend. But let's get to the actual players, Jake. Give us the projected lineup for the Tampa Bay Rays. Behind the dish, you could expect Christian Betancourt, who like a year ago, was playing in Mexico, I think. First base is Harold Ramirez and G-Man Choi in a platoon. 
Second base recently has been Taylor Walls, which is hilarious because he's not very good. Shortstop, Wander Franco, the one Ray that you've heard of. Third base, Yandy Diaz, who's been one of the best hitters in baseball this year, believe it or not. And in the outfield, we'll go David Peralta, Manny Margot, Jose Siri, and Randy Rosarena in some form or function. The only other guy that you really need to know is Isak Paredes, who's been quite good this season. He'll fill in somewhere, and that's kind of the team. Then in the rotation, it's Shane McClanahan, the recently returned Tyler Glass now, and then the three starter will be either Corey Kluber or Drew Rasmussen. Jordan, why are the Rays good this year? Because the Rays are always good, but it's always a different reason why they're good. Yeah, and look, this has certainly not felt like one of the the juggernaut teams uh, of, of Rays past where it's like, okay, you watch them, and even though you might not recognize that many of the names, they're really overwhelming. Uh, Yanni Diaz is a huge part of this team. He has been one of the best hitters in baseball. I believe he has the third highest on base percentage in the entire league. Not a ton of power, only nine homers, but 33 doubles. He has been the most consistent force in this lineup. Randy Rosarena is also fantastic. No, he is not hitting a home run every single day the way he was in the 2020 postseason, but he is still one of the better outfielders in the AL, uh, one of the better power speed guys in the AL. And then Harold Ramirez and Isak Paredes, totally incredible trade acquisitions. Obviously, Paredes at least had more of a, a prospect pedigree Whereas Harold Ramirez, who, if I recall, was at one point with Cleveland. Uh, yeah, last year he was on Cleveland. So, and Yandi, also a former uh, Cleveland uh, Guardian organization ma- uh, member. So, you know, there's a lot of overlap here. And also, like, obviously their pitchers get outs, even though it's not quite as, as dominant, particularly in the bullpen. This is still a team that knows how to uh, get outs because they're the race. They won 100 games last year. They won 86 this year. A 14-game womp womp is pretty significant. A big part of that has to do with injuries. If you take a look at their lineup from last year's ALDS against Boston, there are only four guys who are still in that lineup. That's Wander. That's Randy. That's G-Man. Sometimes that's Manny Margot. Wendell is gone. Zunino is hurt. Kiermaier is hurt. Nelson Cruz who was terrible for them, was on the Nats this year. They traded Austin Meadows away. Brandon Lau was also hurt. It's just a very different cast of characters. Jordan Luplo, who was their lefty crusher, he's not here anymore. It's a very different team, very different lineup, and something very bizarre about this lineup, about this whole team construction. All of the pitchers, except for Javi Guerra, are white dudes. And all of the hitters, except for Taylor Walls, are born outside of the U.S. And you might have noticed this a couple weeks ago when they became the first team in MLB history to have an entire lineup one through nine of international-born players. Uh, and and yeah, but that's that's that was not just like a weird outlier. Like that has basically been the whole season, and it just happened to line up. I mean, Taylor Walls has played a lot, so very strange roster construction in that sense. But obviously, a ton of trade acquisitions, <laughs> you know, waiver claims here and there. I mean, this is. That's how that's how they do it. That's that is that is how this works. Uh, but it is certainly not as intimidating of a, of a race team as in the past. They have been pretty poopy the last couple of weeks. They are coming into the postseason on an L five. How much does that matter? Probably not a whole lot. When you know you have your best guy going on the mound, you can kind of wipe that slate clean. But it maybe is indicative that this team just isn't actually that good. Having Glass now back after you know he had Tommy. Johnson last year that's a big deal he's only made two starts since coming off the IL but if he's at all Tyler Glass now that changes the calculus quite a bit and then go ahead 
Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I I mean I've watched the Glass now starts and he, he looks like Glass now, but it is pretty pretty wild that he's just like back and now expected to, you know, pitch one of these first two postseason games. I mean, I would too if I had Tyler Glass now in my just but like I'm I I'm sure he wants to, but it is a pretty big ask. Like it would not shock me at all if he struggles on Saturday just because it he has not pitched very much and, right. and that's a pretty pretty big assignment. Now, the Friday starter is going to be Shane McClanahan, who started the All-Star game for the American League. He's been incredible all season long. Had a little bit of an injury kerfuffle the last month or so, but he should be good to go in game one. When good, he's as good as a pitcher can be. I mean, he's a left-handed guy who throws 100. And then I guess the last thing that we want to mention from this team, Pete Fairbanks, who you might remember from a 2020 postseason fever dream. He's the guy with the big eyes on the Rays who is pitching all the time. He is all the way back. He is psycho, and he's very good at pitching. Yeah, but he's been even – I mean, he was really good in 2020. May last year, he's been unbelievable this season since coming back. A 1-1-3 ERA, 38 strikeouts, and three walks in 24 innings. I mean, he is – look, they've got all kinds of relievers that you've never heard of throw from weird angles. Pete Fairbanks is just – he's getting up there and just throwing it by you. He's throwing harder than ever. He's been fantastic. And then the last race, I just mentioned all the former Cleveland guys. Uh, hello, Corey Kluber's on this team. And Corey Kluber, whether he would start uh, a game three, I think is debatable considering how he, success he's had this year. Um, he's had a very weird season where he has decided, I am just not, I can't really strike that many guys out anymore. Well, the least I can do is just never, ever walk anybody. I believe he had the lowest walk rate of any starting pitcher in baseball, uh, or at least one of them. But he has an 84 ERA plus uh, of 434 ERA, 164 innings. So, look, I, I, I don't know, man. What do you, what do you think? Do you think it would be well, him in Game Three? If it is, do you think he does? The robot have a GPS? Does he know he'll be in Cleveland where he used to play, or is he just beep bop boop bopping? On right, the right, right. It's like, is it going to be any more notable for him? Than does he tip his games? cap? Like, right. no, he no. Well, certainly, no, certainly not in a postseason game. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued about about that decision because Rasmussen, you know, at times, I mean, he was. He, I think he was our, our closest perfect game bit this year, right? Um, yeah. I mean, he, he, he had a run there in the first half of the season, not as good, but overall, he's been, he's been much better. So, feels like they would probably go Rasmussen, but I'm not sure. Now, Kluber's madness is a big reason why they are a wildcard team. Second most innings on the team, 84 ERA+. Plus. Other reasons this team is simply mid. Everybody got hurt, and they don't have a bopper. Like, they don't really have... Yandy's great. He just hits the ball on the ground. He has nine home runs. Randy is good and not great. And the bullpen this year, as opposed to previous seasons, is just regular good and not historic. So that's the Rays. There's a reason they kind of dropped behind the Blue Jays and the Mariners in the wild card race. This is the most underwhelming Rays team we've seen in a while. That being said... They always have a chance yes. to do something funky. <laughs> don't, 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 let, don't let yourself be too surprised if they somehow sneak through this series. But they're going up against a very fun team, and that is the Cleveland Guardians, the first era of Guardians baseball. And this team has been a delight to watch all season long, uh, making any uh, silly fans uh, who are stressing about the name change and arguing that. I hope the, the idiots that were like, I'm not watching this team anymore. They're called the Guardians now. It's I like, oh, well, were... here's the most entertaining team we've had in like a decade. <laughs> also, it's like, guess what? They're definitely watching. Um, so, Jake, tell us about uh, what this, what, who we can expect to see uh, on the field for the Guardians. Behind the dish, it'll be Austin Hedges and Luke Maley splitting time. First base is usually Josh Naylor. He'll DH a little bit too, and they'll put Owen Miller at first sometimes. Second base, 
Andres Jimenez, who will finish top five in the MVP. At shortstop, Ahmed Rosario, former Met at third base. Jose Ramirez, the talisman of this Cleveland squad. In the outfield, you'll see Miles Straw in center. He is just terrible at hitting. In the corners, you'll have rookie Stephen Kwan, who has been just incredible all year. You can make an argument. Like, he'll finish third in AL Rookie of the Year, but he maybe should be too. In right field, you'll get uh, Will Brennan, who was called up like three weeks ago and has been incredible, or a gentleman named uh, Oscar Gonzalez, who you certainly haven't heard of. On the mound, it'll be Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, and Cal Quantrill. All right, Jordan. What a weird freaking team. The thing to know about this team more than anything else, they make more contact and strike out less than basically any team in the last five years. Their contact rate is the highest by a single team since the 2017 Astros. And I assume the Guardians don't know what pitches are coming. Yes. No, I mean, this has been, if, if you follow just Guardians player development, like this is kind of their whole thing is, is just acquire as many guys as possible that do that. But it's also fun that like even the big guys like Josh Naylor doesn't strike out very much. You know, like that is that is a big, a big thing. And obviously there's stars like Jose Ramirez. That's part of what makes him so special is that he has 29 home runs and 82 strikeouts. Like he's one of the best players in the world. And now Andres Jimenez, I, I, we have to pause and talk about him here for a second, because as you mentioned, he could very realistically finish in the top five in AL MVP voting, and yet he bats sixth. <laughs> he bats sixth and can finish top of MVP. It is one of the weirder line of construction things that, that exists. When I saw the Guardians a month ago, I went in person and I was like, I asked him, why, why is he going sixth? Apparently that's just where he's comfortable hitting. I, it's Best hitter bat six, Jordan. I, I, yeah, that's what the smart teams say. It, it is very strange. Like you can see, he has like a hundred fewer at bats than Ahmed Rosario, despite being healthy the whole time. And Ahmed Rosario has had a good season. It's not like they're totally throwing away with bat hitters, but it is one of the stranger parts of this team that I do not expect to change. But the point is, is that Andres Menes is awesome, and he has, as I mean, and that look, Lindor is amazing too. It's not about who won the trade. The point is, is that the Guardians are feeling just fine right now because Andres the Guardians did not lose the trade. That's for sure. That's for, That's for damn sure. Jimenez has been amazing, and Rosario has been spectacular. This team doesn't hit home runs, though. They are second to last in all of baseball in homers ahead of only the Detroit Tigers, who I think employed uh, mostly grade school children in the lineup this season. Cleveland has 127 home runs. That is literally half what the Yankees had, and those teams might be hurtling towards one another for an ALDS matchup. But they were able to win a lot of games because the bullpen is really good. This bullpen quality is like what you would expect from a typical Rays bullpen. Yeah, and I just love the the variety here, right? You have the traditional fireballer in Emmanuel Classe, one of the hardest throwers in the entire league with his 100-mile-an-hour cutters. You have some total funk with Sam Henches, one of the crazier left-handed uh, matchups you're going to see. Huge left-hander. Uh, he's fantastic. Nick Sandlin, more of the sidearm look. Eli Morgan, who's throwing just like only change-ups, and you're watching him, and you're thinking, how is this guy not getting crushed? Trevor Steffen, his splitter, one of the best single pitches of any reliever in baseball. And then, yes, crazy James Karinchak is also back. And while he is not as good as he was when he was clearly using sticky stuff all the time, 
he is now still back to going very good where he is maybe still using a good amount of sticky stuff, but not as much as he I used to. I know that umpire rubbed his hair, but I'm still skeptical, man. And I think that's okay considering how skeptical James Karinchak is about certain things in our society. <laughs> um, but also, you know, Kirk McCarty has been okay. Cody Morris has come up and has been pretty solid also as, as sort of the, the spot starter. But Classe, Stefan, Henches, Sandlin, Karinchak, Morgan is just dynamite and it put that on the a game, t-shirt right? it shortens the game and 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 this the starting rotation is maybe not as good as some of these past cleveland rotations have been and Quantrill is, is solid and maybe would have been toss up police has certainly regressed and savali has certainly regressed so you know maybe we're worrying about that in the next round more than this round but in this round three games bieber mckenzie Quantrill with these relievers i think puts them in an excellent position Key to the series, Jordan, is who can hit a home run. I will set the over-under for home runs at one and a half total for the whole series. <laughs> okay, I think, that's, I think that's insane. I think I would put it at like three and a half. Um, but again, I mean, if it's a two-game series, maybe that is the number. We'll find out. Uh, I'll take the over. I just, I, you know, this, first of all, Glass now too. I mean, he can, he can give him, I can see him just, Get someone getting on top of a, of a glass now fastball and sending it 450 feet. Uh, but no, it's it's a good point that could that could very well be the difference. I, if I Naylor do, I, homers, if Naylor homers against McClanahan, his head's gonna pop off left on left. Woo! <laughs> no, it's 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 very true. But Cleveland does uh, certainly seem a lot deeper, and and they've just been even. You know, look how much credit do you get for winning the AL Central? You know, I don't know. Uh, but I think uh, let's 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 do our picks now. Um, who, who, who you got here? I got the guardians in two McClanahan has a three, eight, six ERA over the last two months. And I trust Shane Bieber when push comes to shove. And I know Glasnow is great, but the guy's barely pitched. Yeah. And I, uh, Tristan McKenzie is my preferred skinny boy King. So I will take Cleveland in two. I'll go Cleveland in three. Um, but I, I, I will not be surprised at all if the race somehow do this. All right, let's move on to the second game, which will game one will be at 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday, and that'll be the Phillies visiting the St. Louis Cardinales. The Phillies, oh man, uh, if you listen to our podcast last year, all kinds of discussion about, oh, Jake, Jake was all in. Jake was all in on the Phillies. I was a year early, baby. <laughs> you were a year early. I remember uh, in March, we were in Clearwater uh, covering some spring training for Fox. And uh, I wrote a little thing about just like, is this it? Could this team finally do it? Can they outscore their defense? And it turns out they did oh so barely. Uh, let's see. What did their run differential? Jordan, okay, you plus. don't have to be faster than the Bear. You just have to be faster than mm. the Brewers. It's so, it's so true. Plus 62. Okay, so not, not totally uh, terrible. It helps to have Kyle Schwarber hit 700 home runs. Jake, give me, give me the, the, the projected Phillies uh, uh, lineup. Behind the dish, JT Real Muto, the best catcher in the world, even it though just, Adley Rushman is alive. We have to point this out. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the splits. Since you wrote a Adley Rushman, is Adley Rushman the best catcher in the world? I think Real Muto read that and said, this is ridiculous. And he has truly gone... <laughs> supersonic in the last two months. Correct. And I appreciate it. Real Dude. Muto, an avid reader of FoxSports.com. At first base is friend of the show. The face of this Phillies team. The longest tenured Phillies hitter 
our buddy Reese Hoskins. Congrats on the playoffs, dude. Congrats on the playoffs, dude. At second base, Mean Gene Segura, who had the longest playoff drought of any player in baseball. It was the most games played, I believe, without a postseason appearance. So he'll well, break that. And, and that that is um, Gene Gene, the hitting machine, who has been on many teams. And so yes. that is, it is both more impressive that he's been on that many teams and not made the postseason, and also, you know, make of that what you will. Uh, at shortstop, the man who had Bryce Harper as a babysitter as a kid, Bryson Stott. Third base, the tall Nebraskan Alec Bohm. Right field is Nick Castellanos, who has just underwhelmed all season long. Center, you can expect Brandon Marsh, a man who looks like Jesus. And left, it'll be Kyle Schwarber. And then DHing is Bryce Harper because he can't throw right now. Um, that's the Phillies on the mound. It'll be Aaron Nola. Zach Wheeler and Ranger Suarez, I believe. Uh, what a weird team. The things you need to know about them. Front end of the rotation is legit. Nola and Wheeler is about as good as a top two can be. Obviously, you'd probably rather have DeGrom and Scherzer, but Nola and Wheeler is frontline stuff. Yeah, and it seems like it'll likely be Wheeler in game one. Uh, I don't think we have those announced. Oh, yeah, they did announce that. So Wheeler for sure game one. Seems like Nola game two after Nola's incredible performance against the Astros. In his regular season finale, I mean, again, you know, coming off of talking about Cleveland, you know, this team strikes out plenty. Duh, of course. More <laughs> than enough. Schwarber. They have, they have our, our friend Reese, who, who, who is good for a whiff or two <laughs> in, his, in his time. Um, and, and so what that means is that with the bad defense and with that kind of, uh, you know, mercurial offense and a lot of young players who have had cold stretches or cold starts like Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm, a very uneven season, right? This has not been a Phillies team where it's just like, oh, the bullpen, right? This bullpen is fine. And that is a huge step up and a big reason why they are here. Because the truth is, Sir Anthony Dominguez, who has been a little not quite as good in the second half, but he is good. Jose Alvarado is good, as maddening as he can be to watch. Andrew David Bellotti, Robertson is the most David boring Robertson. baseball player maybe in the 20th Extremely century. Extremely boring. 21st century. Totally good. Good, good trade acquisition, right? Like, and now, you know, Cindergaard's in the bullpen. Connor Brogdon has been solid as well. So it's like, it's fine. That's what the Phillies have needed. Fine. They've just needed fine in the bullpen. It's not a strength. They can still blow games, but it is fine. But that plus what is very good starting pitching and a whole lot of dingers um, and some hot streaks here and there is, is a, is, it's a really good lineup when it's clicking. Uh, and that is, that is why they're here. Because let me tell you, Milwaukee did not have that. Why is this team not actually that good? Well, Bryce Harper. For the last month, now he's been playing through injury all year. He got hit in the hand, right? Uh, and missed a bunch of time and then like tore his a labrum in his shoulder and like needs surgery and can't throw. And he's gritting it out. He's grittying it out. Uh, he has been awful for a month now. His OPS dropped 100 points in September yeah. for a guy who, I mean, this, the full season line is still spectacular. He's still like Bryce effing Harper. Don't get me wrong. Just something to keep an eye on. The other reason this team's not very good is the defense is just awful. It is. I don't care what defensive metrics you're using. Uh, UZR, ABC. The point is, like, there's only so much you can do, you know, when, when Schwarber's in the outfield and Cassianos is in the outfield. And Marsh is pretty good. Marsh is pretty good out there, right? But Segura and, I mean, look, real My man great. Alec Bohm has worked really hard to he be has. merely bad 
and not <laughs> unplayable. He's just so far from the ball. Like he's yes. all the way up there and the ball's all the way down all there. All the way on the ground. Like ground balls are like on the ground. It's so far uh, away. Stott, Stott has been fine, right? But like it's just, it's it's not it's not a great, it's just not, not a great defense, obviously, right? And again, sometimes you just have games where they strike out, you know, 15 times and the the young hitters just can't do anything and it's like oh yikes right that that happens but it has been enough uh, to sneak in as of course as we should note the third wild card <laughs> where again it, if it last year maybe it would have been uh, coming up short but that's fine we are ha- we are thrilled to see the team posted we do enjoy watching the phillies and we are happy that they are here anything else on them before we go to the cardinals no all right cardinals your nl central champions uh, who will be taking the field for St. Louis? Behind the plate will be Yadier Molina, who, who? Yadier Molina, who is unfortunately, unlike Wainwright and Pujols, is not good anymore. <laughs> this man has overstayed his welcome in terms of production. At first base is Paul Goldschmidt, who is maybe the best hitter in the world, not named Aharon. Second base will be Brendan Donovan a man who we'll talk about more in a second. Sometimes it's Tommy Edmond over there. Shortstop is sometimes Tommy Edmond, usually Tommy Edmond. And then Paul DeYoung ha- is back from the dead, but still not good. Not, base, not back. He was back from the dead for a second, and he, I think, has like a 200 OPS in the last month. So yeah, I, don't I would understand. be stunned if he is. I mean, I, he, maybe he'll be on the roster. He still plays these defense, but I don't think you will see much of him. Third base, Nolan Arenado. You know the vibes. In the outfield, Dylan Carlson in center. You'll get Corey Dickerson in left. You'll get Lars Newtbar in right. You'll get, uh, when he's healthy, uh, Tyler O'Neill. although I don't think he's healthy right now. You'll get a guy named Alec Burleson that you've never heard of, a guy named Ben Deluzio who you've never heard of. It's just a mish and a mosh. But then their DH is this, this lad named Albert Pujols. Uh, on the mound, it'll be Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Jose Quintana, Jordan Montgomery. I believe Jack Flaherty is going to be working out of the bullpen for them in October. Jordan, why is this team good? Uh, this team is good because they have um, arguably two, the t- possibly top two MVP finishers in the NL. We will get to Manny Machado later. I think he has a strong case as well. But Goldschmidt, who seemed to be the runaway favorite for the first four months of the season, and then Arenado, who has seemingly closed the gap uh, in the second half, that is an unbelievable <laughs> duo. And the depth behind them is weirdly probably more reliable than what the Phillies have, the team that they're going up against. And a big part of that is the fact that uh, the defense is excellent. This infield defense is, I think, pretty indisputably the best in the league, as it has been already for the last couple of years uh, uh, that, that we've seen. Of course, the Goldschmidt are not a tandem is amazing. But Tommy Edmond moving to shortstop. If you're wondering why Tommy Edmond is atop all the war leaderboards, that's because he's playing an amazing shortstop in his first full season there. And that has uh, launched his war totals to crazy heights, even though he is uh, merely an okay hitter. Um, so that is it, is, it is an incredible defense. And that is very important because this pitching staff does not, besides Ryan Helsley, does not strike out anybody. This is how they have built their team. Adam Wainwright is still effective, but he is not striking anybody out. Miles Michaelis is effective. He is not striking anybody out. Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery are not striking anybody out. And then even Jack Flaherty, since he got back, these, these are, we're not getting whips, right? They're putting the ball on the ground. They're letting their defenders do work. In it, and it, it has worked. It has absolutely worked. It'll be a fascinating matchup against the Phillies team who strikes out a ton. Mm-hmm. And 
I would imagine, I think the Phillies will win that battle where the stuff from the Cardinals is going to be meh. And I think the Phillies, like one of these games are just going to tee off. I think we're going to have one of these games where they score nine runs. It's, it's very possible. But I would also say that the Cardinals uh, bullpen, mostly because of the emergence of Ryan Helsley as probably a top five reliever in the league, has, is, is much closer to his strength than it has been in recent postseasons. Uh, and I think that is that is something you 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 cannot deny because Helsley is <laughs> Helsley is is amazing and and that is if you can get it to him and, and he's healthy and he's he's throwing well that's that is a pretty good sign you're going to win. You also have to account for the Cardinals October Devil Magic, which will yeah. involve probably Brendan Donovan, a slap hitting rookie who put up four WAR this year, <laughs> hitting seven home runs in the postseason on their way to a World Series title. Last thing to say about them, Albert Pujols. It's not just been fun; he's been a actually good baseball player for about three months yeah and it's the pools thing cannot be tired that will be the story no matter what uh he will get more attention than all the other players as he should right there's so many versions of the season where he could have been dfa'd in june and instead he's one of the best hitters in the league that is amazing it is super fun to watch how can you not love albert etc 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 the one thing i'll say about people look if donovan and newt bar and edmund and and everyone's like oh my god it's like these guys have been awesome the whole season right so it's not like they pull these guys you know, out of their ass in, in, in the middle of September. So now let's if, just let's just make that note. If Alec Burleson and Ben Deluzio are incredible, then now, yes, these are guys they pulled out of their ass now in September. Conversation. All right, uh, the pitching matchups, Jordan, oh, yeah. we have Wheeler against Michaelis, I believe, in game one, right? Seems like it. I don't think they've announced uh, the Cardinals yet. But Okay. And then that would mean Nola against Wainwright in game two. And then uh, Rager Suarez probably against either Quintana or Jordan Montgomery in game three. Key to the series for me is the Phillies defense. If Nola Wheeler show up and they're themselves, it just comes down to can the Phillies turn batted balls into outs because we know the Cardinals will. Jordan, who you got? I'm taking the Cardinals. I'm taking the Cardinals at home. I'm taking the Cardinals as a team. It just feels like that this will run will go longer than most people want it to. And I think they're really good. Uh, I was the only one of the only people to pick them to win the division. And I, I just think I'm just going to ride out a little bit longer. So Cardinals I, in two. I got Phillies in three on the road. I think either Nola or Wheeler shows up and just takes care of business. Mm-hmm. And I am going to put my chips in the Ranger Suarez basket <laughs> and say that he just dominates inexplicably in game three and they win the series. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back to discuss the Toronto Blue Jays and Jordan, on my sheet, this says the Seattle Mariners are in the playoffs. This is you. Are you trying to prank me? Are you, are you trying to like? Because I watched the Mariners yesterday, and it's like I, I was like, all right, it's been a fun season. Gonna miss these guys. Actually, Ashton Kutcher's in your closet. He's gonna hop out. Uh, and screen all right, we'll we'll be right back here on Baseball Barbercast. Buck O'Neill dedicated his life to teaching us about the heroes of the Negro Leagues and demonstrating that you could get further in life with love than you could with hate. Now is our opportunity to say thank you to this legendary man. Join the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum as we celebrate Buck's long overdue induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame by supporting our Thanks a Million Buck campaign. It's an effort to raise at least $1 million by fans donating a buck or more in support of the NLBM. Remember, every buck counts. To donate, visit thanksamillionbuck.com. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, the only podcast that yesterday was faster than Terrence Gore. Wow. That's a Yom Kipper joke. That's a very well done. Uh, Terrence Gore played yesterday, so let's not be <laughs> let's not be hating on him too much. 
All right, let's move on to our second, our third uh, wildcard series uh, involving, again, it says here, the Mariners. That's my favorite team. Is that right? Am I seeing that correctly? I think you are. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. We'll, we'll talk about how you're feeling in a second. <laughs> That's fine. But let's just talk about the teams first. The Mariners projected lineup. Jordan, can you just, you want to just do this off the dome? Without roster yeah, resource? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I will say it has changed a little bit uh, over the last month due to injuries and uh, bizarre breakout performances. Uh, but let's go around the horn. We'll begin behind the dish with Big Dumper himself, Cal Raleigh, uh, who, of course, is the reason the team is here. Cal Raleigh is not just folk hero. He is leads all catchers in home runs with 27. He is pretty good. First base, Ty France. That's all-star Ty France to you. Uh, second base uh, will likely be Adam Captain Slapdick Frazier, as Mariners fans have been calling him. Uh, at shortstop, J.P. Crawford at third base. A. Eugenio Suarez, who has just been tremendous in the outfield. Uh, in center field uh, will be someone named Julio Rodriguez. He is uh, maybe something of a difference maker. We'll get to him in a bit. In right field, you'll see Mitch Hanniger. In left will likely be one Jared Kelnick as Jesse Winker is on the IL, and Sam Haggerty. Yes, Sam Haggerty, who has been very important, is also injured and out for the postseason. So it will likely be Jared Kelnick and perhaps Dylan Moore in a platoon in left. But it does bump our buddy Taylor Trammell onto the postseason roster. Very which... likely Taylor Trammell will be on the postseason roster, uh, and then at DH uh, will be the man who arguably saved the season, Mr. Carlos Santana. The rotation for the uh, these three games will very likely be Luis Castillo, who we know confirmed in Game 1, Robbie Ray, who now does not need to be vaccinated in Game 2 in Toronto, and then Logan Gilbert, who has been sensational lately in Game 3. Uh, seems like it'll much more likely be him than George Kirby, based on how the two finished their regular seasons. So that is the Mariners. Why are they good? Jake, tell me. Tell me, tell, tell, tell me about the Mariners. I'm not totally good? sure, <laughs> um, but I'm going to... Can I guess? Yeah, give it a guess. Yeah, give it a shot. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is not just fun and cool and young and smiling. He is actually fabulous at baseball already. It's not potential. It's reality. He gives the Mariners a dynamic that they lacked last year. He is the difference in a lot of ways between this year's team and last year's team. You watched the home run derby and you saw him. You get it, right? You see him do one thing and you're like, oh, Yeah. Okay, I wish my team had this. Yeah. The second best hitter on the team is probably Ty France. Yeah. Right? France and Suarez uh, each have an argument. France is the only guy who can, I guess besides Julio, um, who can get hits. So this is an important thing to know about the Mariners' offense. They don't get hits, right? And so you may think, well, isn't that why? That's how you play baseball, right? You get hits. It's 2022. You don't need to get hits. You just need to get on base. And the Mariners are third in baseball in walks, but 26th in batting average. And that amounts to a perfectly solid offense on the whole that is very good at getting some walks and hit by pitches and then hitting a huge home run. That has been their season uh, all year long, which is maybe a bad recipe and maybe a perfect recipe for the postseason. We will find out. As uh, Kanye West once said, here's another walk, Barry Vons. <laughs> here's another walk, Carlos Santana. Uh, this team has, again, it has been a lot of clutch. They, I saw some stat that they are the first team since like the 1880s Reds to lead baseball in one run, one run wins in back-to-back -back seasons. 
That is not something you're supposed to be able to do consistently. And yet, <laughs> Scott Service has managed to uh, manage a team uh, to, to allow that to be possible. The other strength of this team is the pitching, more so than the offense. The pitching is something where you look at and you actually understand how it is good. And that is because of that top three of Castillo, Robbie Ray, and Logan Gilbert, uh, as well as jo George Kirby, who uh, is also going to get some uh, nice little Rookie of the Year votes, I believe. And the bullpen has been sensational. And no, you might not have heard of all of these guys, but Seawald has been great. Andres Munoz is really the guy to watch. I think the guy that, that will be the number one dude out of the pen when they really need to get some outs. He throws 103 miles an hour with one of the best sliders in the game. Penn Murphy, Diego Castillo, Eric Swanson, Matt Festa, Matt Brash. Matt Brash especially has been amazing since moving to the bullpen. And you just look at their numbers. Everyone's ERA uh, is under three, basically. Uh, everyone's getting a crazy number of strikeouts. And yeah, it's just a really deep pitching staff. And, and Luis Castillo's arrival has completely changed uh, the complexion of this pitching staff and, and whole team. Jerry DePoto, the general manager of the Seattle Mariners, has made many trades in his time. And I think there's a chance that none will be more significant than the Luis Castillo trade. When everyone else was playing chess, he played checkers. At the deadline, when every contender was lining up their biggest package to try and get Mr. Juan Soto, Jerry said, nah, thanks. I'm going to go get Luis Castillo right now. They bypassed Go, they collected $200, and they gave up quite a bit to get the best pitcher on the market. Because if you watch Luis Castillo, you immediately understand that he is a game-changing acquisition for the Mariners. He is a front-line guy. I don't know if he's one of the best five pitchers in, in baseball. Probably not. Maybe not even in the top 10. Probably back half of the top 10. But you watch him, and he, more than really any guy, knows what he's doing. Like, you could just see him. He is a craftsman. And for the Mariners to have this guy for the postseason and for the next, you know, what, six years? Yeah, five years? right. And extending it was a huge part of it. And, and I think that was clearly what they wanted to do all along. When you're giving up two great prospects in you know, Marte and Arroyo, and I wish them well. But, like, why are they here? Why do the Mariners exist? Because they want to win, and they want to break the postseason drought, and waiting for Edwin Arroyo in the Cal League is not the fastest way to do that. It's just not. It's to go get Luis Castillo, and they did that, and it's obviously paid off great. And as they said at the time, like, they believe when they got him, like, we're a postseason team, and we want to make noise in the postseason. We don't want to just want to get there. And Luis Castillo is the reason they have a chance in the series. Like, that's, that's exactly why, why you acquire someone like him. Now, the reason this team is simply fine is basically what Jordan said before. They don't bop. Hey, you know, you see a baseball team, you're like, these guys rake. You watch the Astros. And you're like, the Astros just hit, man. The Mariners don't. They do not just hit, man. They, they just get on base, man, sometimes. That will be the death knell if things don't work. It'll be they just have a game where the offense falls asleep and they lose like five to one or yeah. something. It's very, very plausible. And obviously with, with the injuries, which they're already dealing with, um, it's, you know, when, when Julio was out and Suarez was out, this offense was rough to watch. And so that's the thing. But I do think the pitching will keep them in it. Uh, and I'll save my, I'll give a, a general state of being after we talk about the Blue Jays. So let's talk about the Blue Jays. Blue Jays projected because this team is excellent. Behind the plate, you can expect Danny Jansen, who is... Last year was like Danny one Jansen. of the worst hitters in baseball. And this year he, I think, has like 20, 18, 17 home runs or something. He's been great. He's Love been Danny really Jansen. good hitting for them behind the plate. At first base, a guy named Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is Vladimir Guerrero Sr.'s uh, well, 
eldest son. Oh, I recognize that name. Yeah. I was, when I turned on the Jays the other day, I was like, where have I seen that name before? Yeah. That's where you've seen yeah. that name before. At second base, Whit Merrifield, acquired at the deadline from the Kansas City Royals. He has been quite hot. He's been wit hot recently. At shortstop, Bo Bichette, who was the third best player in the world in over the last two months. At third base, Matt Chapman, who is just a worse version of the Matt Chapman you remember. In the outfield, you've got Teoscar Hernandez, who's always better than you think. George Springer in center, who's just as good as he was when there was a trash can clanging. And in the other corner is some combo of Rymel Tapia and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who is maybe hurt, maybe back. And then their DH is Alejandro Kirk. He catches sometimes, but because Jansen's been good, he's been DHing for them more often than earlier in the year. And then the rotation, Alec Manoa, the big, the big boss, Ross Stripling, the stock trader, and Kevin Gossman, the splitter king. Jose Barrios, let's just talk about Jose Barrios right now as while they are a wild card team. So the Blue Jays won 91 games. They, I believe, finished eight games behind the Yankees, nine games behind the Yankees in the division. 92 games. 92 games. Sorry, they won 92 games. The Yankees win yesterday. The Yankees win their final game of the year. The Yankees did not. So the Yankees finished with 99. So they finished seven games behind the Yankees. Big part of that is that Jose Barrios was probably the single most disappointing player in baseball. The Jays traded for him last year at the deadline. They extended him over the offseason. And he proceeded to lead the league in hits allowed uh, and lead the American League in earned runs. He allowed 100 runs this year for a 5-2-3 ERA. Yeah, and obviously, when you have Jose Brios, you're not going to take him out of the rotation. It's not like they had other options. Um, but just super weird. And I, I, you know, I've seen some stuff written about it. And it's like when you watch him, the, the slider's still moving like crazy. But clearly, the command uh, has, has really, uh, really left him. And it's been, but not, I mean, like the walks aren't that high. That's the thing. Like you, you look at it and it's just like the strikeouts are gone and he's just given up a ton of hits, the Mo 199 hits. And so we would not expect him to get stripling has been sensational in the second half. And that's looking like a, you know, a, a really uh, smart acquisition. You know, Mitch White's gotten some starts for them too. Because but if I, I said to you, Jordan, if I was like, okay, you got three games in this, in this round and you've got you know, Cy Young, top five finisher, Manoa, Gossman, super reliable, and peak Barrios, you wouldn't blink. You would take right. them over the Mariners in a second. But yeah. that's not the Barrios that's on this team. Just so everyone knows, I don't think he gets that start. I think Ross Stripling ends up getting it. Now, why is this yeah. team good? Look at the roster, Demi. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the top two starters uh, goes a long way, too. But unlike the Mariners, this team, this team does bop, right? This team does get hit. You know, like, especially when you have guys that don't strike out, uh, like Kirk, um, and he, yes, you, you know, you do have some, some big, big whiff guys like, like Chapman and, and Teoscar, but still, you know, they're still hitting, you know, 267, 267, George Springer, 267, uh, Bichette, 290. Like, again, I know it's like, oh, well, you care about batting average when you compare it to the Mariners, like this is a lot of big difference in hits and this can make it, this can make a difference. Uh, and, and Bichette has just been so amazing in, in the second half. And while Vlad has not been MVP level, he's had a great season. And it's just the kind of thing is you can't maintain the levels. Of, I'm sure he'll have another season like last year at some point. He's 23, right? But this year, he's been merely great. <laughs> and that is the standard you set when you are a Hall of Famers. Kid, George Springer, I, I really do think, is just being overlooked because 
he's been exactly what they, and I know that health has been a concern for him, but he's been exactly what they paid for. And, and he, he makes this lineup terrifying, like a leadoff homer. That, what do you think I'm most scared of? Uh, for for Friday, it's George Springer just hitting a leadoff home run. Like that's <laughs> you think I haven't seen him do it against the Mariners with the Astros enough? Like that's what he does. And remember, this is Autumn George. <laughs> exactly. This is a man who come fall morphs into a supersonic being. He is one of the greatest postseason hitters ever, yeah. ever, ever. And now he's on the Blue Jays, so that's fine. Uh, key to the series, I have two. Which Jared Kelnick shows up, if it's the one who is locked in, that's huge. If it's not, that's an automatic out. The other thing, Jordan, for me is can the Mariners lay off Kevin Gossman's splitters below the zone yeah, in game I think, two? I, I think so. The, the Blue Jays are uh, overwhelmingly right-handed, and that will, I think, help the Mariners line up and possibly hurt the Mariners pitching, right? Robbie Ray, this is going to be a tough assignment for him uh, going into Toronto against, against this lineup as a left-handed pitcher. But again, like you mentioned, Kelnick, like that's the thing. I, I mean, they could bring in Tim Meza to face him in, you know, in, in the seventh, but besides that, he should be facing right-handers, and that is obviously a big difference. This is also probably a time to mention that like, this didn't even cross my mind. Kenjin Ryu, right? I mean, that's another name that is a big part of this roster that has just, you know, got TJ and he's just gone. Uh, and that would also make, make this team look a lot different. But obviously every team has injuries, so you can't say that. Now, the Blue Jays' bullpen is also not necessarily a strength. I would say that is probably another uh, key to them. And this is a good time to mention Anthony Bass, who has been a very uh, uh, good uh, addition to the team. Uh, but Anthony Bass uh, and Zach Pop, both of those guys, have, have made this bullpen a little bit better behind Jordan Romano. And Adam Simber, but I have to mention Anthony Bass uh, quote tweeting the video of Paul Seawall doing the sweeping motion after they swept <laughs> after they swept the Blue Jays before they acquired Anthony uh, Bass is very funny. I love that. But also Anthony Bass was DFA'd by the Mariners at some point, so I imagine that has something to do with it as well. Picks, uh, who you got, Jordan? Picks. Um, so before the season, I picked Blue Jays Dodgers World Series, and I still feel kind of good about that, but. Uh, I think it will either be Blue Jays in two or Mariners in three. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. I will feel fantastic if they can get it to Gilbert. They can win the first game. Um, but uh, that's kind of how I feel. Uh, obviously, my heart is, is very much hoping that the Mariners can last another round. But this will be a great series. I'm very excited to watch it. Blue Jays in one. All right, let's move on to our final matchup. The San Diego Dads against the New York Metropolitans. Let's yes. begin. The San Diego Padres lineup. Who yeah. is not in this lineup? Fernando Tatis Jr. Why? He got a rash. Who is in this lineup? Behind the dish, it's Austin Nola, who the Padres gave up every single player on the Mariners for. First base is Josh Bell, who has been kind of underwhelming since his trade from the Nationals. I mean, Drury's been playing first more. Like they've kind of yeah. put them. They've more just and been DHing Bell. Yeah, DHing Bell or just only playing him against righties. So, Brandon Drury uh, at first base, then Bell at DH. Second base is the Crone Zone. Jake Cronenworth, one of the more exciting players in the NL West. Shortstop is Fernando Tatis Hassan Kim. At third base, Manuel Arturo Machado, who very, mal- very well might win the NL MVP. In the outfield, what a hilarious trio this is. Trent Grisham in center, who since 
bungling Jose Jose. Since bungling his outfield mate Juan Soto's hit in the wildcard game, had one season where he was an elite player and then has just fallen off a cliff into a ravine, but he's still decent defensively, so he plays center. And left field former top prospect Jerickson Profar is good somehow, finally. AJ Preller's beloved Jerickson Profar. He did it, finally. And then in right field, Juan Soto. You know the name. Cespedes. <laughs> and then the rotation is Yu Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, Shamanaya. What other, a weird group. Other bench. Uh, very important to mention Jorge Alfaro, who I believe walked off like seven games this season. And Will uh, Myers, the longest tenured Padre. Who is still there. Uh, probably last, last little run here for Will Myers. Now, how is Padres. this team constructed? My favorite thing about this team. There are only, I believe, five players on this roster who were originally acquired by the Padres. Five. I believe drafted the Cardinals have right. drafted or signed originally by the Padres. I think the Cardinals have five in their starting lineup alone. Okay. <laughs> this is a fantasy baseball. And even team. the Mets, right? I mean, even the yeah. Mets have, have a handful of, of dudes that they've, they've kind of brought up right. Nimmo, we'll get to them. And, but it's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what Preller's done. Right. Um, and, and, you know, to some degree, the Mariners are some, somewhere like that, but they've at least had some more homegrown guys recently. But yeah, this, this team is just, it's all trades, man. And, and it, you know, you can't say it's been a totally bad strategy, but it obviously does result in some missing pieces and just kind of a strange, strange collection. A very, very, very strange collection. Now, pitching. Well, what do we expect the rotation to be? This is actually you an interesting debate because yeah, yeah. I guess Manaya has not been very good lately. So, yeah. This is a key. The Padres this year did not have Fernando Tatis Jr. This roster without him was good enough to win, I think, 89 games. That's a huge deal. That's a credit to the construction of this team. That without the best player on their team, they still made the playoffs. Very impressive. Bob Everyone's going to probably a, a, a touch credit there. A hundred percent. But a big part of that has been the pitching. Darvish has been Darvish. Blake Snell has rediscovered his Snellness and for the last couple of months has been so good. And then Joe Musgrove, Mr. Padre, you know, you, you, you know the deal. Let's, let's not get too disrespectful here, but he's as close to Mr. Padre as we've had since Mr. Padre. Uh, but yes, the pitching is actually something of a strength. Um, now, the bullpen is, is weird, very weird. Uh, I don't know, Josh Hader. T- tell, me, tell me about Josh Hader's uh, Padre stint because this is also an important thing to know about that. Okay, so if I said to you, and we talked about this last night, Jordan. If I said to you, how's Josh Hader been on the Padres? You would say a disaster. However, he was a disaster right away. But in his last, I believe, 12 outings, he's allowed one run. And so he seems to have figured some stuff out and is Josh Hader again, which they will need because the rest of this bullpen is just a bunch of guys. None of them are terrible. None of them are really that good. Nabil Krismat belongs in a special place in our hearts, but he's fine. This uh, team is, the more I look at the Padres roster, I'm like, the Mets are going to just jump on him. <laughs> Josh Hader allowed 13 runs in his first nine outings with the Padres. And since then, he has allowed one in 10 innings. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's totally turned around for him. But still, I still wouldn't call this bullpen a strength. Uh, uh, so I think that could certainly uh, be an issue if the starting pitching doesn't show up, but 
Look, they're still really good. Like, Machado and Soto is a pretty damn good place to start. And Juan Soto knows a little something about showing up in City Field and making Mets fans sad. So let's move on to our final team to talk about here. I know we're running a little long. Uh, let's talk about the New York Mets, who I'm sure Mets fans listening to this were wishing we weren't talking about them right now. But alas, here we are, as the Mets will host the Padres at 8 p.m. on Friday night. All right, Jake. They won 100 games, but here they are in the wild card series. Who is on this team? The catchers are Thomas Nito and James McCann, which is the problem. <laughs> Probably at a first, good place to start. At first base is Pete Alonso. Second base is Jeff McNeil when Starling Marte is healthy and Luis Guillorme when he's not. At shortstop is Francisco Lindor, who has just been everything he is supposed to be. Third base, Eduardo Escobar has been one of the best players in baseball over the last month. The outfield is Nimmo in center, Mark Hanna in left, McNeil in right, uh, or sometimes Tyler Naquin, and sometimes you have Sterling Marte healthy, and sometimes you don't. DH is a big problem for this team. Daniel Vogelback, he hits against right-handed pitching and against left-handed pitching. It was supposed to be Darren Ruff, but then he got space jammed, and now it's either Mark Vientos, Francisco Alvarez. Who, Francisco Alvarez, 20-year-old Francisco Alvarez, right? Um, just a totally crazy uh, thing to ask of him. Uh, but, like, you got a lot of other great players. DH should not be sinking this team. Uh, and also, the pitching, they have yes. some, some guys, right, that throw the, that throw the ball. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker. I would say Bassett's probably the three. He's been really good over the last couple months, even though he tossed up a stinker in Atlanta. Now, why is this team good? I mean, look, they won 100 games. I asked Buck Showalter in a press conference last week whether he considered the regular season a success, right? Kind of a weird thing. 100 games. He won 100 games. You didn't win the division. Games. And you bungled it at the end of the year. Would you consider that a success? He declined to comment, Jordan. And that's because this Mets team is in a very weird space where they did it. They did what they were supposed to do. You got to give them credit. If I said to you, the Mets won 101 games. Steve Cohen, congrats to you. But everyone's disappointed because of how the season ended. And I think that's both fair and unfair because this team is freaking awesome. They don't hit a lot of home runs compared to what you might expect. They do. This team hits. When they're going, they bop. Okay, this team does bop. Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo, Escobar when he's locked in, Vogelback, and Marte when he's healthy is strong. That is a strong lineup. But the one concern is that over the last month, Jacob DeGrom has looked simply mortal. Now, the strikeouts uh, have not been mortal. Um, but if you do look at his last four starts against the— Now, this is the most important part about this. These starts have come against the Cubs, Pirates, A's, and then Braves, of course. Four starts, 21 innings, 39 strikeouts, four walks. So that's, you know, it's, let's not get too crazy. Still the FIP, the FIP goes hard. Uh, but a six ERA is not what we are used to from uh, Mr. DeGrom. And yes, that is because we are holding him to the standard of best pitcher on earth. But they're going to need him to show up because the Padres lineup is a lot better than the Cubs and the Pirates and the A's. And so uh, this is the time to, to do it. This is it, man. You, you got you to gotta show. And I, I think he probably will. So I'm not too worried about it. 
Uh, but that is th- this is a run that we have not seen from DeGrom in quite some time, and that is worth noting. Now, the good thing is that they also have Max Scherzer. <laughs> oh. Going into game one. Cool. Cool. Very cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Um, key to the series, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Or quickly, uh, matchups. Darvish Scherzer, Snell, DeGrom, Musgrove, Carrasco, I think. I think Musgrove is, is, I don't know if they announced it, but I game assume two. Musgrove would go to game two, but maybe not. If Snell goes game two, I think that's the key to the series because I think yeah, he I can outpitch the ground. I think yeah. Snell is the whole thing here, right? Mm-hmm. He could just win you a ball game. Now, the bullpen for San Diego is bad enough that Snell could win you a ball game and, you know, Tim Hill could lose you a ball game. <laughs> but if DeGrom right. is mortal and Snell gets to go up against him, I really like the Padres in that. That being said, at the end of the day, the Mets won 12 more games than the Padres this year. That's a lot. And I think that just because they're matching up here in the first round kind of underrates how big of a gap there is in quality between these teams. And I think that the Mets believe that they're really good and aren't going to blink this weekend. Mets fans seem very worried because they are fatalists. I am not. I think they are going to smoke them. I think it's going to be two and see you later for the Padres and the Mets will stomp on to play the Dodgers. Yeah. And I was going to say, uh, kind of sort of like the series, with you know, Jay's Jay's Mariners. I do feel like this is either Mets in two or possibly Padres in three where the Mets start sweating if it does get to Sunday. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I, I agree. The Mets are much better. I'm not, I'm not denying that at all. <laughs> um, like the people are critiquing the Mets cause I went down to Atlanta and got swept and that's understandable. Right. But like, so would if a lot they of teams. play, no, no, but if they play the exact same games, they'll win them because the Braves are way better than the Padres. Oh, right. You mean say the same games against the Padres? Yeah, like if they play the same quality of baseball, I think they just beat the Padres. Right, right. That's a good. That's a good. That's a really good way to put it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I, you know that right. That game three, it probably, I would assume it would be Bassett, um, but. Like, again, this is one of those things last week against the Braves, but again, the Braves are better than the Padres. But it's like, you got DeGrom and Scherzer, like, that should be, you know, the, the automatic dub. And it obviously wasn't last week, and we'll see about this weekend. That's the podcast. Sorry we went a little bit long today, but we had to preview the postseason for everybody. First round starts on Friday, midday, four games. It's going to be a wild weekend. I will be at City Field all weekend long. You can check out my coverage of that over at foxsports.com. Jordan Schusterman will be on site at his apartment in Richmond, Indiana, <laughs> all weekend long with screens oh, yes. pulled up, sweating out the Mariners. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. No email this week. How often will we be going during the postseason? Whenever a series ends, we will take care of it. Whenever there's something wild and notable, we will hop on and try and give you some brief recap coverage. Basically, whenever you're like, man, I wish Jake and Jordan could talk about that. Our plan is (laughs) to do that for you. We will try to be there. Uh, And yes, obviously, off day Monday, which is unusual, but the way the schedule works out. So we will certainly be having you giving you a podcast on Monday morning, possibly even Sunday, depending on how short the wildcard series goes. But thank you uh, to everyone for, for listening. We're super excited to be rolling. This postseason, again, you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to Andrew Emmer for stepping in for Producer Chris. 
this week and producing for us. And uh, yeah, any any last words? No. Okay, I, I have one. Go yeah. go, Ma- go Mariners in the 2022 Major League Baseball postseason. <laughs> oh, wait, do the Orioles play in the NIT? I don't think Against so. the Brewers? Orioles-Brewers, 23-game set to be played on the off days in October starts now. Lyles. Lyles Burns. Good luck Lyles with that. Burns. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Bye. Talk soon. Serious XM Podcasts.